Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Every time I talk to people there, I'm kind of flabbergasted by what they're spending on rent. I mean, people that are in the best part of town are spending three or $400 a month for their apartment. So you can go there and have a really good life. That was my guest, Tim Leffel, who's here to share his updated list of the cheapest places to live in the world. And more than ever, we are mobile. More than ever in the entire history of the world, are we able to take our work with us? So many people can do that now more than ever. So where do we want to go? What do we want to do? What places might we want to consider? I always think it's great to stay on top of destinations that may be trending, that maybe haven't thought about before. In this list, we hit on Central America, South America, Asia. In fact, Tim shares one reason why he won't live in Asia. It might be a good enough reason for you as well, depending on the work you do. Why relocating takes a lot of the pressure off. He gives some outstanding border tips. Maybe tells us to fudge a little bit of our story in some place. And I don't want to get too much into that, but you hear that in this interview. We talk about some of the big changes in visas. Tim shares his methodology for researching destinations from home. And it's so much more, it's all happening right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now, your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience, and any traveler worth their salt is going to love a destination conversation, right? (laughs) I mean, who doesn't? What traveler out there doesn't? Eh, I'm not that interested in in hearing about new destinations or changes to destinations or, or why I might want to consider you know, spending a good amount of quality time in a destination. Of course, we love to talk destinations here. And one of my favorite guests to bring on because he, he brings so many practical tips. Uh, and it's just a lot of great practical advice along with insights around destinations that we should consider maybe slow traveling through, visiting. And, and as I mentioned at the top now more than ever, we are mobile. And I don't know about you, but I'm always considering destinations, things I might want to do, whether it's the near future or a a couple years down the road. I like to stay on top of this stuff and I like to know what places I should be looking into and why. And if you're kind of in a daily routine right now that is just the same thing over and over again, I am right now. I like to do this to keep my mind open as well, to remember that, hey, there are a lot of directions you can go in life if you choose to. And really, life can turn on a dime, and you can be the initiator of that if you'd like. Perhaps this episode will be uh, the the prime mover for you to uh, go live abroad for a period of time, or maybe check out a new destination. Maybe you're out traveling right now, and you're on the hunt for the next place. So we share some good stuff here in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. 
Now, let's slip and slide into this interview. Stick around on the back end. I'll leave you with a quote, of course, and I'm going to share my favorite destination on this list, one that I visited that I would go back to in a heartbeat, and also my next dream one, the one that I would choose if I had to pack up and go to a place I'd never been before. Just for fun, I'll share that with you. Maybe have your own version of that. would love to hear it. You can always get in touch. Jason at zerototravel.com is my email. Give me feedback on this or any other episode. Guest recommendations, just drop me a line and say hi. Always love to hear from the community. Uh, so stick around in the back end, enjoy the interview, and I'll see you on the other side. Of the I have the pleasure, the wonderful pleasure, once again, to be joined by a perennial favorite of the Zero to Travel podcast. I'm looking at him right here, Mr. Tim Leffel, an award-winning travel writer, author, and travel expert. You're the man, Tim. Welcome back to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Yeah, I feel like this is becoming a tradition. Thanks for having me on again. This is always a wildly successful episode. Not to, I don't want to hype it up and put too much pressure on you, but when you have a title like The Cheapest Places to Live in the World, I mean, that's, you know, we want to know what those are. And now, because of everything that's been going on in the world, there are some updates. So we thought, I mean, you do a very popular post on your Cheapest Destinations blog, and we'll link to that, called The Cheapest Places to Live in the World in 2022 that are open in parentheses. And each year you do this. And the point is, you know, if you're moving abroad from a country like Canada, US, UK, Australia, one of these places, going to to these countries can cut your expenses in half, maybe even more. And of course, you have a wonderful book, A Better Life for Half the Price, that really breaks all of that down and how to kind of approach that as a strategy for living, for relocating. And it's an outstanding book. So we'll also link to that as well. Recommend you check that out. Thought it would be great to do an audio rendition of this because of the things that are happening, because of the some of the updates that have taken place, and also just to get your take on these destinations right now in real time. So anyway, welcome and, and thanks for coming on to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you know, it's a great match for the people who read that book. I think mostly fall into two camps. They're thinking of retiring at some point and they're looking at where they can do so cheaply. Or they are location independent or looking to be so. Uh, so this is a, a good match for the zero to travel audience because, you know, if you can move somewhere that's half the price or less of where you are living now, it makes it a whole lot easier uh, getting your freelance business going or your website business or whatever you're looking to do online. And, uh, you know, it takes a while to get anything off the ground to ramp up. And so if you can uh, lower your expenses drastically without having to eat rice and beans every day, then that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> Unless you live in Mexico like Tim and the rice and beans are so delicious, you want to eat them every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> and hey, side note, I was just to Belize in December and sometimes on the menu they have rice and beans and then they also have beans and rice. They're not the same. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Now, that's a different side dish. Yeah. If you order the beans and rice, it costs at least a dollar more. Um, well, that's interesting. As you were mentioning the two camps there, the, the retiring camp and the location independent camp, I think traditionally in the past, people would associate those two camps with certain ages, right? Like if we think back not even that many years ago, retiring kind of meant you know, older people and maybe location independent was like, well, what? Like, you know, maybe there's some young people that are bootstrapping businesses. And, and now you look at those two and you got the fire movement, the financial independence retire early. You got people retiring in their thirties, you know, some cases their twenties. You've got, uh, people that now work remotely. Whereas before the pandemic, a lot of these offices were just traditional office jobs. Now they've went to remote work environment. So, it's freed up so many people. And, and so it's it's a really wide range of people we're talking about at this point now, right? That can take yeah. advantage of this. It's one silver lining that came out of the pandemic. A lot more jobs went remote, which is a beautiful thing because, uh, you know, not, it's not for everyone. Some people really need that office environment to be motivated. But I think a whole lot of people just get more done and they're more productive if they don't have to do that commute and 
aren't distracted and don't have to go to stupid meetings every two hours. So I think overall it's been a, a, a positive that all these jobs have gone remote. And so, yeah, it opens up the world to a lot of people that they suddenly look at their tiny New York apartment and say, I don't have to go to an office for the next three months. What am I doing sitting around here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think your point uh, that you made before too is, is definitely at least in my opinion, an underutilized strategy when you're trying to start something up. Hey, well, what does that look like if you could just cut your expenses in half? Well, how can you do that? Well, Tim's telling you right now, I mean, you could just relocate, <laughs> right? And that's not everybody's cup of tea, but... It takes a lot of pressure off. I I heard a podcast interview with some guy who had uh, relocated to Georgia, the country of Georgia, and he said his income dropped $2,000 one month, but he was like, eh, that's all right. <laughs> Whereas if he'd been home, it would have been a nightmare, you know, like he wasn't really sweating it. And that's true in so many places that, you know, if you're if your income just stays above two or three thousand dollars, you can be living really well. So that takes a lot of pressure off. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the destinations in a minute, but I wanted to hear your personal experience with that. How has living in Mexico and uh, living your life there taken the pressure off for you? Is it is it a much different mindset? Because I know you've also spent time in the states, so you obviously have familiarity with both. Yeah, it made a huge difference when this pandemic first hit and everybody went into lockdown and nobody was traveling. Um, like anybody in the travel business, uh, my income went off a cliff for a while there. Thankfully, it didn't last that long because then people started traveling domestically eventually once they could and still you know, wanted to read articles about travel and do some research. But yeah, I mean, everybody, it seems like, kind of took a look at their expenses and said, where do I need to cut? And um you know, they started canceling subscriptions and all these things, you know, but we didn't really have to worry about that too much because our baseline was so low that, it, you know, we just knew we could ride it out. Whereas if we had been back in the USA, you know, with a monthly expense level of like five or six grand, I mean, then you've got to make a lot of money every month to meet your expenses. And if you take a hit for even two months, that can really be a big trouble for your finances. Yeah. And we have done some deep dives on this podcast with Tim around some of these topics we're talking about. So if you want to binge all things Tim Leffel, of course, you can check out his website. And uh, and if you want to binge it in the podcast, we have several episodes with Tim where he shares incredibly helpful information. And today we are going to get into the destinations. I think we should do that right now because there are some changes. The cool thing, I think, with your work, Tim, is that you actually, you know, travel to these places and have firsthand experience like a real travel writer. And, uh, you know, that's always nice because it's nice to kind of get that sense of what things are like on the ground more than just, you know, going through with research and Google and some of the tools available. But now, like, you know, a lot of things have changed with some new visas, some various requirements. I, I would just love for you to give people some insight into some of these destinations and some of the things have, have changed. So we can talk about um, Mexico, I guess, as a starting point. Has, has anything changed there? Yeah, yeah. let's start there. Not just because I live there, but that also became a very popular place to move to during this pandemic period when people had to leave the country they were in before, like let's say Thailand or they were living in Bali or Vietnam. And then, you know, some countries in South America, too, and ended up closing down for a while and closing their borders. So a lot of people ended up in Mexico, you know, back to the digital nomad crowd, people that a lot of people, you know, that are nomads don't just plain don't have a home anymore. You know, they can go back to where their parents live, but they don't have a base. And so they needed somewhere to set up a new base. And Mexico has traditionally let you stay 180 days on a tourist visa, which is incredibly generous. There's not many countries in the world that will let you stay that long. And so from their point of view, maybe people were taking advantage of that. From my point of view, they were coming and spending their money in Mexico. So that's not a bad thing for the country, I don't think. But anyway, a lot of people have traditionally come here, stayed for 180 days, left the country, sometimes only for a day, and then come back again and gotten another 180 days. So you could basically stay for a year on a tourist visa. 
uh, just about, and I've done it myself multiple times. I would go somewhere on vacation and then come back and start all over again. And as a travel writer, I was leaving often enough that it wasn't a big deal, but they have started to crack down on that. And, um, you know, maybe that's too strong a word, but they started to be more discerning, I guess, about who they're giving those 180 days to. So they're pretty liable to cut you some slack if you're a snowbird just coming down for the winter, or if you have a house that you own, or if you've rented a place for, you know, four months and you can show that. But the problem is that people are are intending to come to Mexico with no plans and they wanted to just travel around the country and explore. They've made that much tougher because they're asking, where are you staying? Where's your return ticket? You know, all those kinds of things that countries have a right to do. (laughs) But um, so what's happening a lot of times is you pretty much automatically got a week or two or you got 180 days before there was no in between. But now they're starting to ask you how long they're staying and that's how much they're giving you. So I've had a few friends come in. They've gotten 60 days. They've gotten eight weeks, you know, these different periods. So just be aware of that. Um, It's no big deal if you are only coming for six weeks. They'll give you that. But if you're coming for intending to stay for six months or to live here um, on an ongoing basis, you really need to bring more paperwork than you did in the past and kind of if nothing else, have a friend's address and say, that's where you're staying for six months. I hate to encourage people to lie, but at least have a good story because otherwise, you know, you might not get as much as you're asking for. Um, the other alternative is you get temporary residency, which is a little more difficult and it's going to cost you a little money, you know, a few hundred bucks. Um, but uh, the main stumbling block on that for a lot of people is their income requirements. And we're talking like, to $3,000 a month that they want to see flowing through your accounts unless you have lots of assets, you know, an IRA, a 401k, something like that, that you can show. So I just wanted to give that quick update because things have changed. You know, I I say in my book that came out the end of 2020 that Mexico is great. You can come for six months, you can leave, you can come back again, but it's not quite as easy as that now. So on paper, it's 180 days, but then you can literally be standing at the airport and they'll just say, no, you can only stay for 60 days or 90 exactly. or whatever they feel like it. Wow. Yeah, you get a you get a nasty surprise. And I don't want to make this sound like it's every single case because it's not. Um, some airports, Mexico City seems to be more strict for some reason. And I would imagine Cancun might be too because of all the people coming in uh, into Playa del Carmen. But um I've also heard of people, you know, just getting the 100 days, 180 days, no questions asked, just like always. So, you know, just with immigration things, any anything related to immigration, it's not consistent from person to person. It's real people handling these things. And so sometimes they had a bad day or didn't have enough coffee and, you know, maybe they don't want to give you that. And so it's better to just be prepared than to uh, have it be a nasty surprise. Oh, that is always not fun when your fate comes down to one person's mood, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I hate to say this, but look presentable when you come to the airport, you know, if you've got uh, 14 piercings on your face, you might want to take out 13 of those or, you know, (laughs) and if you've been wearing that same shirt for four days, you might want to (laughs) change. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's a good general rule of thumb. We'll be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos, and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, You can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big! With the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card, visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. 
This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Let's get back to the show. Okay, so before we move on to Mexico, I wanted to ask you with the so many nomads coming there, like you said, they needed a a refuge, a place to stay. When you don't have a home, you got to go somewhere. And then this was a great option for a lot of people. So a lot of people did end up in Mexico. Uh, what do you think in general that the, you know, maybe the digital nomad crowd or Mexico has grown in that way, right? I mean, I feel like it, there's always been the snowbirds, right? And now there's another sort of crowd coming in. Do you think that's, and this is from your perspective, of course, as somebody who's an expat who lives there, but what do you think that, uh, it is the perception of that for the local communities. Do you think that's a good thing, a bad thing? Obviously it changes for some people, but I'm just wondering if, I guess what I'm wondering is if they're being more strict because this is like driving up all the prices and they, and they're really not liking the way things are going. Yeah. There's a few theories out there, but nobody really knows for sure. Um, obviously someone in the government in Mexico city is instigating this, but, um, yeah, nobody's really sure why. I I think um, maybe they just don't like that they've got this reputation of it's an easy place to come live and hang out forever. And I think some people overstayed their visa during you know the pandemic, and they had a lot of uh, I don't know paperwork to deal with and finding people and stuff like that. And so I think it's just a combination of things, but. There are very few communities in Mexico where the expats have taken over. You know, I mean, even popular places like, let's say, Sayulita, you know, small places that have gotten really crowded with expats. It's still there's so many tourists there that nobody knows the difference. You know, if you're walking around as a foreigner, are you a tourist or are you an expat? And maybe it's driven up the prices a little. I mean, it's definitely driven up prices in San Miguel de Allende because there's 10 or 12,000 foreigners there. But, you know, that's not always a bad thing. If you're trying to sell your house and you're Mexican and you're going to get three times more than you thought you were, you know, that's a good thing. So plenty of people have benefited and it's great for craftsmen and construction workers and all those people. So I don't know. I think it's a kind of a net wash in a lot of cases. Um, So I don't think that's necessarily the reason. And because this is such a big country and so spread out and so many different places you can live, I don't think the impact of the foreigners is felt in very many places. It's kind of a few isolated cases. Hmm. Okay. Thanks for that. Let's stay in Central America. It sounds like there's been some changes with Panama. Yeah, it's not a a big one that's going to concern as many people as the the Mexico one. Um, But basically, Panama used to have this most favored nations visa, which applied to 32 countries or something like that. This only applied if you were opening a business in Panama, but a lot of people did just to take advantage of it. So basically, you could get residency in Panama by opening a business and hiring local people. And, um, you know, we're a lot of people listening to this are digital nomads. They don't have any employees. They might not even have contractors. But um, if you did have a desire to open a physical business, a coffee shop, a restaurant, a tour company, anything like that, Panama made it super easy. It was super easy to get incorporated, to, to get all the paperwork done. And then basically that was your free path to residency. So if you came in with a bit of money and opened a yoga studio, then boom, you were a resident. 
they've taken that away, unfortunately, and made it much tougher. So now you basically have to go the retirement route, which is not hard at all. I think you only have to be 45 and show like a thousand dollars a month in income or something like that. And you, boom, you're retired. <laughs> so that's almost as easy. But, you know, if you're 30, that doesn't help you very much. Uh, the other option is you can invest in local real estate, you know, buy a condo or something, and then you you have a path to residency. So with all these things, please do your own research. I'm not the expert on it. I'm not an attorney or anything. So, you know, go check it out. But I'm just uh, mentioning that because it was uh, something that a lot of people took advantage of in the past I mean, I'm not using that in a negative sense, taking advantage of. It was just an opportunity that people use, but it's not there anymore. And, you know, again, what's behind this? I don't really know. Maybe they just felt like people were abusing it. But um, for whatever reason, it's not available. Do you have a methodology for due diligence when it comes to this type of research? Uh, my first impulse is to ask people who live there <laughs> because I feel like they have their, uh, you know, finger on the pulse better than anyone living abroad. So I try to find some local sources. And for this Panama thing, I actually did, uh, interview somebody that lives there and got his take on it. But, um, yeah. And, and, you know, the, we love to rag on these, uh, publications like international living and live and invest overseas, et cetera, because they're such sales machines. They bug you to death to, to come to seminars and, you know, they have real estate connections that they're trying to connect you to and all this stuff, but they do provide solid information. And from a journalism standpoint, they do their homework. So you can usually rely on them for what's factual about visas. And then of course you can just go to the source. I mean, a country like Panama, they have a page in English telling you what's, what's available and what's not. Uh, Mexico, it's a little tougher because everything's in Spanish, but so many people are writing about Mexican immigration on a regular basis that you can usually go to Mexico News Daily or Mexperience or one of these other sites and figure out what the deal is. Okay, cool. Thanks. And we can move south to South America now, and it seems like there may be some exciting news coming out of Ecuador for the nomads. Breaking news here on the Zero to Travel podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right Right after the holidays, Ecuador announced that they were going to uh, offer a digital nomad visa. So they're joining 30 or so other countries that have already announced one. Um, but the, a lot of those countries that have announced or actually implemented one are not cheap places. They're uh, Caribbean islands, for example, which, you know, are very expensive places like Bermuda, you know, like you're not going to just move there on a budget. So I'm always excited when someplace that's really, um, inexpensive announces one of these things. And, um, the only other truly cheap country I've seen that's, that's implemented one that's easy has been Georgia and they already gave you a year as a tourist anyway. So it wasn't that big of an announcement. So if Ecuador does this, it will be a big deal because, you can technically only stay there for three months right now on a regular tourist visa. So this will basically allow you to stay a year or two. Um, and, and traditionally, Ecuador has been quite kind of a retirement haven. And that's most of the people moving there are retired. They're moving to somewhere like Cuenca. But there's a lot of cool places you could live in Ecuador. There's beach areas. There's great mountain towns. There's, you know, the capital of Quito, which is a great city. So um, this makes it more interesting if it actually goes through as, as announced, it'll be interesting to have a different place that we can go to. That's dirt cheap. I mean, you can live there for a thousand dollars a month and live quite well. So this will be encouraging if it's another place that uh, digital nomads can go work from for a while. Let us know how the Wi-Fi is. If you're down there, <laughs> <laughs> it's been pretty good when I've been there in the cities and, um, yeah, you know, that's becoming less of a concern around the world, thankfully. Like everybody's kind of getting on ball and on the on the ball and realizing how important that is from a business standpoint, a competitive standpoint. So I feel like it's getting better all the time. This is one of the countries I haven't been to that I really, really want to visit, Ecuador. I've just heard so many wonderful things. I've had friends that have lived there before for periods of time, and they just speak so highly of it. I have, a, I have an Ecuadorian friend, actually, who's a neighbor here in Norway. Crazy enough, we play guitar together, and he's from Ecuador, and he, he married a Norwegian. So it's, 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 uh, I feel like 
Ecuador is always kind of swirling around as a destination and I haven't been there yet. So, oh, I'm just thinking about the beaches now. Maybe it's time to have a chat with my wife, see if I can convince her to <laughs> drag the family down there. <laughs> Sounds good. I've been there a few times. I really like it. Yeah. You're a fan? Yeah, I'm a big fan. And, you know, it's on the equator, so you think that's going to be hot, but it's a lot of it's highlands. So unless you're on the coast, it's um, it's pretty temperate most of the time. Cool. Let's talk about Colombia. Seems like things are changing there as well. Yeah. And, you know, I've said traditionally Mexico has not really been much of a digital nomad destination. Um, and if people are here, they're spread out in 20 different places. But uh, Medellin has long been a hot spot for remote workers, digital nomads, entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call them. And um, I think that, again, became even more so when this pandemic was going on. Once Colombia opened back up, which was fairly early, uh, people started flooding back to Medellin again. Not that that's the only place to live there. Some people are in Cartagena or uh, the Coffee Triangle region. Uh, not too many people live in Bogota, but there are some. But Medellin seems to be the place where most people gravitate. It's got nice weather all year. It's usually sunny and the prices are good. Nightlife's good. And um, every time I talk to people there, I'm kind of flabbergasted by what they're spending on rent. I mean, people that are in the best part of town are spending three or $400 a month for their apartment. So you can go there and have a really good life. And um, I have to mention this because it always comes up. Columbia has some beautiful women. And so there tend to be more male expats than there are female ones uh, in Columbia. But uh, that doesn't mean, you know, it has to be that way. I'm sure the men are beautiful too. I'm just not a very good judge. <laughs> the reason I also wanted to bring up Columbia is right now their currency is low. Speaking of currency problems, um, and right now they're they're flirting with a record low of uh, their peso against the dollar. So I'm just bringing that up because right now it's cheaper than it's ever been. So it's a good time to go. All right. What about Argentina? Because I, I, it's one of my favorite places in the world. And I know there's a lot going on with the government there, currency. There's some fears that everything might collapse and at least in in some articles that I've read recently. I don't know what the situation is there. I know it's on your list of countries and I just wanted to hear your take on Argentina right now. Argentina. So Argentina is always a mess financially. <laughs> They've been through crisis after crisis after crisis. So there have been times I've been there where it's been cheap. There have been times I've been there where it's been expensive uh, right now, it's on the cheap end of the scale because they've had a sliding currency that's been sliding for maybe four years now. I mean, if you look at a chart, it just looks like uh, a hike down a mountain. <laughs> that's what their currency chart looks like. And it just keeps going down. So um, it's just uh, a weird situation because there's high inflation, which hurts the locals. But if you're coming in with dollars or euros, it, it seems like the world's greatest bargain. So um, I say come in with dollars or euros because you really should bring cash um, because this is not true in many countries in the world anymore, but there's a black market in Argentina. They call it the blue rate. And the blue rate right now is almost double what the uh, official rate is. So I think the official rate is something like 103 pesos to the dollar and the blue rate's 200. <laughs> so if you take your dollars out onto the street and trade them, or even with your hotel clerk, you'll get basically twice as much money than if you took it out of an ATM. Wow. Really? Yeah, it's nuts. So I'm actually twice going to- Twice as much? That does, yeah. How is that even- I don't know. How it's does like that the, work? The government's intentionally setting the rate at a certain level for you know their international trade purposes, their exports or whatever. But the actual rate people are willing to pay for dollars is double that. So, I mean, that's just you know market demand and reality. So I'm actually going down there at the end of March. Um, I've got tickets. I'm heading to Patagonia, but I'm going to spend some time in Buenos Aires first. Um, my wife's going with me. And so we're going to basically stuff our pockets with <laughs> Ben Franklin's and go down and, you know, cash in a bunch of money when we first get there. Because, uh, you know, you there's a bill that's uh, – 
Yeah, that you see real commonly that's worth less than a dollar. And, you know, people have stacks of them. So we're going to have to, um, you know, work all that out when we get there. But anyway, right now, Argentina is a bargain. There's some things that are still priced in dollars, like hotels. But um, if you rent an apartment through Airbnb or something, then those prices tend to be more aligned with the reality. And so I'm drooling looking, looking at the apartments there. I'm talking like really nice penthouse places with an outdoor patio for, you know, 40 or 50 bucks a night. So I think it's going to be really nice. (laughs) Uh, I can't wait to hear about uh, how that goes for you. Maybe if you can take a little audio for us when you're making those money exchanges, I want (laughs) to, I want to hear, I want to hear the audio behind that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it should be interesting. I haven't changed money on the street for a very long time. That's going to be a, a strange experience. Yeah, hopefully the, the any of the people down there that would ask for a bribe aren't listening to this podcast when you arrive to the country. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is this the guy that has his pocket stuffed with Benjamin Franklin's? Okay, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go to Asia now, and it sounds like there have been some updates in Malaysia. Yeah, and again, this is like uh, Panama. It's not a it's not a good one to be happy about. Uh, and I'm not sure how this is all going to pan out because it's kind of a moot point right now. Malaysia is still closed. You still can't go there. You can go to Thailand, but you can't go to Malaysia as a visitor. So um, this might not matter. Maybe cooler heads will prevail later. But they've had this program for I don't know ten or fifteen years at least called Malaysia My Second Home. And the idea was that you could go in and either buy uh, real estate or you could sock a bunch of money in a Malaysian bank and poof, you'd have residency. So, um, and it was permanent. Uh, You would have it as long as you wanted it. I mean, you had to renew every once in a while, but not very often. So a lot of people moved there and did that, you know, especially people who were retiring anyway, or people that had a chunk of money in a U.S. bank account, and they would just stick it into a Malaysian account instead. Um, and But we were talking like uh, $55,000, $65,000, something like that. Well, now they've raised it to something like 300 and some thousand dollars they're asking you to put in a bank. And that's not pocket change for anybody. (laughs) And so um, basically nobody's going to take advantage of this anymore because why would you, you know, like why would you put that amount of money into a foreign bank just to get residency? I mean, if you're rich enough to be able to do that, then you can do that anywhere in the world. You don't have to go to Malaysia. So most people that follow these kinds of things are saying that, that their immigration is going to drop to zero. Um, so I don't know, we'll see what happens, but it doesn't matter right now because you can't get in. But I just wanted to bring that up because, um, a lot of people took advantage of that in the past and it was a great opportunity. It worked well for both sides. I think it brought a lot of money into the country, helped, uh, put deposits into their banking system. But for now, anyway, um, some politician got his way and it's basically going to exclude the foreigners for a while when they do open back up. Hmm. Okay. Thanks for that. And a favorite on a lot of people's lists, Thailand. It's been closed. It's been changing, ever shifting in some ways. Sounds like it's open again. It is open again with a little more restrictions than there were before this Omicron variant came around. Hopefully they'll return to that again. But uh, it's pretty much the only Southeast Asia country that's that's open, you know, that you can just waltz into, but you do have to have a certain number of things, uh, taken care of before you get there. You got to have your vaccination. You got to have your tests. Uh, you also have to have travel insurance, which is becoming a more widespread requirement now. I mean, it's still not everywhere, but there's, you know, countries starting to pop up here and there that are asking you to have a travel insurance policy in hand before you arrive in the country. Basically, so if you get COVID, they don't have to take care of you is what the bottom line is. So they want you to be covered if something happens and you need to go to the hospital. Um, Thailand started out with a pretty strict quarantine situation, um, and then they eased off it, and then they eased off it some more. 
but basically you got to fly into one of the approved areas and you have to stay at one of their approved hotels for a certain amount of time, which keeps changing. So I don't even want to mention it here, but assume it's going to be a few days at least. But then you can go where you want, at least for the moment. Um, you know, like I said, this keeps changing and it's fluid. So just go check the Thai tourism site. They've been keeping it up to date as things change. But for now, you assume you can go to Phuket, Koh Samui, Koh Phangan, all these fun beach places. They did open Bangkok back up, you know, later in the game, but it, it has been open. And the good news for nomads is you used to have to do this visa run like every 30 or 60 days if you live there. As it stands right now, you can extend your visa to up to five months, which is uh, welcome news for people who want to hang around for a while. Again, this might change, but that's the way it stands right now. So um, just do your own research and check it out. But uh, again, this is on my list. I'm planning to head there in November. There's a bloggers conference that's supposed to happen. So if it does, if it actually goes through, uh, I'll be able to report live what's going on and check back on my blog, I guess. Yeah. And we will link to this post so you can dive in some of the other destinations here, Honduras, uh, we got Albania. We haven't talked about Bosnia, Romania. There's a lot of different places and considerations and all really exciting. Like you said, I mean, you're, can, you're getting a great lifestyle and getting to check out a new culture and new food and all the things we love about travel. Let's take a brief pause. We'll be right back. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day. I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. Tim, if the Mexican government came in and they confiscated your house, took you and Donna and your pocketfuls of Benjamin Franklin's out the door and said, you guys got to get out of here. Where would you, where would you live? You got to pick a place. Wow. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I would I would probably stay in the Americas or go to Europe because of the time zone thing. I'm still a working stiff. I'm not retired. So I need to do business with people. So I don't think I would go to Asia because it's just too far. I don't I'm too old to be getting up at three in the morning to do a sales call. So that's not gonna happen. <laughs> um yeah, I might go to Colombia. Um I that that is uh, enticing to me. I've been there. I like it. I like Ecuador a lot. Um, so I would probably head to South America. Um, but if I went to Europe, it would probably um, be uh, somewhere that's warm most of the time. So maybe Portugal or Greece, um, maybe Albania. That's right across from Italy. So it's not too bad. But I'm not I'm not into braving the winters uh, for three or four months on end. You do a good job of it. You can have it, but I'm not going to do, do it. Do I, though? I don't know if I do a good job of it. I do it. 
That's the difference. <laughs> in Albania, you can stay for a year. Yeah, think, which is right? highly encouraging. If you're American, you can stay for a year in Albania. So that's uh, definitely a reason to check that out. Plus, once again, it's really a bargain for living expenses and nice apartments. Mm. Amazing. Well, always a pleasure to chat with you and not just get the updates, but be able to catch up and pick your brain on staying on top of this stuff. Do you, do you have any other kind of resources you want to share? Anything we missed in terms of the destinations or ways to stay on top of this type of information? Well, the book's pretty thorough. That's called A Better Life for Half the Price. And that's the best solid resource, I think, if you're thinking of moving abroad. But um I just want to give a shout out to one tool because I use it a lot, which is numbeo.com. I know you've mentioned that before, N-U-M-B-E-O.com. It'll show you the cost of living in different countries around the world. But the cool thing about it is it lets you compare city to city. So if you, let's say you live in, um, I don't know, Boston, and you want to see how much your expenses would drop if you move to Albania, you can put in Boston and you can put in Tirana. And it will tell you, for example, rents in Toronto are 80% cheaper than Boston. And, you know, cost of living is 65% less. So it's kind of fun to just go play with that and check with check out different places and see what it costs for a dozen eggs or a movie ticket and things like that. And it's all crowdsourced, so it's relatively accurate. I mean, nothing's 100% accurate, but it's pretty close. Yes. And here, uh, I just did a quick one. Oslo, where I live, and Quito, Ecuador. Meal in an inexpensive restaurant, 82% cheaper. (laughs) (laughs) 82%. I mean, I always geek out a little bit on this website. Maybe maybe I got to show my wife some of these. Here, apartment, three bedroom, 68% cheaper. (laughs) Hold on. Here we go. All right. That'll save you a little money. <laughs> yeah, and coffee. Bit. I think we talked about this before. If you go to Albania, an espresso is like twenty-five or thirty cents. So you see these guys sitting around drinking coffee all day long. It's like, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, Tim. And we'll link up to the post and uh of course your website, timleffel.com. We have the cheapest destinations blog, the book you mentioned, all that stuff will be in the show notes. So thanks so much once again for your time and look forward to hearing more from you and more from your uh, adventures around the world when they resume again. Thanks, man. Good chatting with you again. Take care. There you have it. Mr. Tim Leffel, thank you very much for stopping by the show. Always a pleasure to have you here. And I promised I would share my two favorites from this list, one that I've been to before that I would go back to in a heartbeat and another that I've never been to. And if I had to go to a new place right now and just uproot my family and live there and it had to be off of Tim's list, this is the one I'm choosing. So first of all, I would love to go back to Argentina, one of my favorite places in the world. I know we talked about it in the show And I know that there are some things going on, issues, as we mentioned, but it's such a wonderful place. The passion of the Argentinian people, the the food, the culture, the nature, just an awesome place to go. And I know my wife loves it as well. So we are going to get back to Argentina at some point in the future, but that is the place that I would choose off of Tim's list to go back to in a heartbeat. Now, a place I haven't been on this list. And and I'd love to hear yours, by the way. Please reach out. You know, I leave a link, just a reminder, for you to leave me a voicemail in the bottom of every show. I'm not getting any voicemails lately. What's up with you guys? Gals, peeps, come on. Drop me a line. You know, I don't like to make this a two-way conversation. I'm here in my loft. Am I talking to myself? No, I'm not. I know you're out there. So get back in touch. Let me know what's happening. All right, so My friend Wanda, who we recently had on the show, was living in Albania, and I've heard so many good things about Albania that that is the top of my list right now. I would spend some good quality time in Albania. I want to check it out. I know really nothing about the country, which makes it all the more appealing. It's over here in Europe, so not too far, and it sounds like there is so much to see and do, and the cost of living is pretty uh, affordable, more than affordable. So 
Albania, right there. Country of Georgia coming into a very close second, except a little bit challenging with the time zones, I'd say. And Portugal, you know, I said Argentina before, but I, I, I got to just, I got to give some mad love to Portugal. I cannot leave Portugal out. I've been there a couple times, and that is a, a wonderful place. Also, you know, Mexico, where Tim's living, there are a lot of uh, nomads, other people running businesses, so you get the mix of um, the local culture, if you if you want also a bit of the, you know, business networking kind of expat vibe as well, trying to come up with the blend of those two is um, always, I think, a fun thing because you can kind of go between those two worlds as, as you will. I think it's really important to not get stuck in an expat bubble, but at the same time, it's sometimes nice to have other people from maybe your home country or other travelers to, to chat with as well. So there are a lot of places on this list that offer both of those and it really depends on what you want. So curious to hear what that would look like for you. Get in touch anytime. I want to give a shout out to somebody in this community who uh, did get in touch, Colin. I mean, congratulations, man. He, he wrote me an email. He had the subject, we want a year of travel with Airbnb in 2021, but this podcast started us on the journey. So he said, hey, Jason, just wanted to reach out, say thanks. Back in 2017, my wife and I were clueless on how to travel on a more long-term basis. When we realized we had a four-month window to do so, I think I listened to five to seven episodes that day and felt like I could conquer the world. We traveled for four months and life went back to quote-unquote normal until last June. We were selected for the Live Anywhere program. We've been traveling with two kids in tow all over Europe. We're currently in Oahu, Hawaii, and we'll be headed for Australia in two weeks right when it opens. Your podcast is empowering. Episodes each have a deep niche that's always intriguing. My brain always spins when I'm listening. They're very inspiring, allowed us to dream and ask ourselves questions we never would have asked when it came to decide where uh, to go or not during this year of travel. We felt equipped to say a big yes. Thanks for planting the seed. Colin and May. Colin and May, congratulations. If you want to see what they're up to, they're over on, I guess it's Instagram, at Colin and Meg. So I just wanted to give them a shout out. You know, I, I applied for that Live Anywhere thing with Airbnb. I didn't get it, but I am glad to know that Colin and Meg got it and they got in touch and that, that they're out there doing it. That, that just makes me feel happy. It warms my heart. So uh, I love that somebody's out there doing that. Congratulations. And hey, not, not every day you win a free year of travel. So rock on, rock on. There you go. All kinds of ways to travel the world out there. Yet another. Just win a trip. Can I just win a trip? I'm going to put that out to the universe. Can I just, let me just win a trip around the world. Ooh, win a trip around the world. Sending, sending out the vibes, the mojo. <laughs> All right. We'll see if anything comes back. I'll let you know. All right. Let me pull a little quote out of the drawer here. My apologies, by the way. I, I know I said I was only going to share like two destinations here in this outro, but then I shared... I think four. <laughs> I can't help myself. What is up? What is up with us travelers and destinations? We, we love it. All right. Um, here's one from Muji. Feelings are just visitors. Let them come and go. Feelings are just visitors. Let them come and go. I don't know how you're feeling today. Hopefully after this episode, you're feeling good. Enjoy the rest of your day. Smile. Take a chance today. Maybe book a trip to one of these destinations you heard. You only live once, right? This is all we got. So let's enjoy it. Thank you once again. I'll see you next week. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.